0: Hey man, what a joy to be with you this morning. Thank you, Pastor Brandon, for the opportunity to be here. I told somebody not long ago, I believe that Brandon Ware is the best preacher that we have in North Carolina. And I believe that. <laughs> Amen. And then to be here with Dr. Matt Brunson, I believe Dr. Brunson's one of the best preachers in the Southern Baptist Convention. Every time I hear him, he blesses my soul. I know he blesses yours. Thank you, Dr. Brunson, for your ministry if you have your Bible this morning and I hope that you do I invite you to open it with me to Luke chapter 11 Luke chapter 11 and this morning I want to speak to you on the subject does God really care have you asked that question before this morning I want to speak on the importance of prayer God's silence is not indifference and God's stillness is not inactivity Seasons of waiting are seasons of praying Maybe you've been crying out to God praying over a certain need and it seems as if it's hit a silent wall God's not responding believe God has a message for us this morning. Does God really care Luke chapter 11? I'll begin reading in verse 1 the Bible says he that being Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored, is holy, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. And he also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight, and says to him, "'Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, "'because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, "'and I don't have anything to offer him.' "'And he will answer from inside and say, "'Don't bother me. "'The door is already locked, "'and my children and I have gone to bed. "'I can't get up to give you anything. "'But I tell you, "'even though he won't get up and give him anything, "'because he is his friend, "'yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, "'he will get up and give him as much as he needs.'" So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit... To those who ask him, Howard Hendricks tells the story of a devastating event that took place in the small town of Itasca, Texas, some 45 miles southwest of Fort Worth. This event took place just before World War II. A school building caught fire, and because of that, nearly 200 children passed away. It was a devastating event for the town of Itasca. They thought they would never get over the event, the deep tragedy. Well, after the war, the town decided this will never no never no never happen again not under our watch. So they invested in the greatest fire suppression system in that day some advanced sprinkler systems that would keep them from going through another tragedy like the one they had just experienced word got around in the state of Texas that they'd invested in the advanced suppression system and they began traveling around from school system to school system telling about their great technological advancements well the school began to grow again years later and they had to add on to the school So they brought in an architect and the architect came to the superintendent and said, we've got one problem, you know, that advanced fire suppression system, well, it was never connected. The water line that connected the water source to the sprinkler system had never been activated. You can have a great system, but if that system is not connected, it does you no good. In the same way, God has given us a great system known as prayer. But if we fail to pray, it does us no good. Now this morning I have a difficult task because I'm here to convince you to do something that you already know how to do and to teach you to do something that you already know how to do. Prayer is important. Prayer is indispensable to the life of a Christian. In fact, prayer is our response to the character of God. Jesus believed in prayer. Do you? Jesus prayed early in the morning, sometimes late in the evening. Jesus prayed at his baptism when he was tempted in the wilderness. In times of great grief, our Lord prayed. Our Lord prayed for His disciples in John 17. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed. On the cross, Jesus prayed. And the Bible tells us that He makes intercession for us at this very moment. Prayer is indispensable to the life of a Christian. If you're going to be a great leader in your home, you've got to be a man of prayer. If you're going to be a great Christian, you have to be a person of prayer. So often, our prayers are lay me down to sleep type of prayers. We carelessly and aimlessly pray the same routine, mundane prayers over and over again. We look at prayers as if a 911 call, uh, that we pray during times of emergency. But when the immediacy of our need begins to wane, so too do our prayers. The urgency of your request this morning, is it consistent with where your heart is at? Jesus wants you to pray. In fact, in this passage, we see that Jesus teaches us that we should pray, but he also teaches us what we should pray, and how we should pray, and why we should pray. Let's look at the Gospel of Luke, and first of all, it says, and he was praying in a certain place now we don't know where that certain place was jesus certainly did jesus often went away and he would commune with the father And we know that jesus is the perfect son of god but jesus understood the importance of communing with the father intimacy with the father was related to communion with the father and in the same way for us if we are sinful unlike Jesus we are sinful we must commune with the father if there's going to be intimacy with him he was praying in a certain place and when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray now dr. Brunson I find it interesting that the disciples did not ask Jesus they didn't say Lord teach us to preach We know that preaching is important. The disciples didn't say, Lord, teach us how to perform miracles. The disciples did not say, Lord, teach us how to interact with people. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. There was something that they had seen in Jesus' life that prayer was indispensable. So many people today believe that prayer is the exhibition of for the real game of ministry to come prayer does not just prepare us for work prayer is work and when we pray God works there were days when the carpet on the altars were filled with Tears and stains from people crying out to God, but somehow that we're no longer impressed by praying. We're too busy preaching and doing ministry and being involved. The most important thing that you can do for your family is to pray. It begins with prayer. He says, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Now, you can't see it in your text, but the literal Greek rendering in verse 1 and 2 says that when he was caused to stop to pray, can you say that with me? He was caused to stop to pray. Now, the irony is that Jesus is communing with the Father, but he is interrupted, But Jesus is about to tell a story about someone who is interrupted. And the Father is a character in this story. Don't don't miss this. There's an irony here. So Jesus says, that you should pray. But then he tells us what we should pray. Now, I like to think of this as the model prayer, not as the Lord's prayer, as some have said, because our Lord is without sin. Our Lord doesn't need to say and forgive us of our sin because he's the spotless, sinless Son of God. But he says, Father, your name be honored as holy. Now we read that and we just glance over it. Father, of course, we know God is Father. But in that day, many of the Jews understood God as the creator God, Elohim, Elohim. But this idea of Father conveys intimacy and closeness. God is not just some distant deity, but rather He is close, He is intimate, He is personal. He comes to us through Jesus Christ, the Son. Maybe someone hears today and you're thinking, does God really care? God cares and He proved it By stepping out of heaven and in Christ, that he lived a perfect and sinless life, died on the cross. Three days later, he rose again to victory. Our God cares. Father, your name be honored as holy. If there's one thing that we need in our churches today, it's a fresh vision of the holiness of God. There's not a problem in our churches, there's not a problem in our society that cannot be fixed if we would return to the belief that God is holy and we are not and we need Him. Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. When you wake up in the morning every day, you should say, Father, your your kingdom come in my life. Your kingdom come in my marriage. Your your kingdom come in in, in all that I do today. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, as it says in some translations. Now, Now think about this. Prayer is not for us. Prayer is about God. I'm sure that many of the disciples had heard self-centered prayers before, but Jesus wasn't offering a self-centered prayer. This was a God-focused prayer. We do not pray because of us. We pray because of God. Prayer is not just about our life. Prayer is about aligning our life unto God. When we pray, we do not wrestle God into submission of our will, but we align our life with the will of God. Prayer is not about self-righteousness, but prayer is about the righteousness of Jesus imputed through us, and because of Jesus, we now have access to God the Father. We come to the Father through the Son. He says, give us each day our daily bread. All the provisions that you have in your life come from God. Everything that's good in your life is from God. It's for your good and his glory. And he says, forgive us of our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. So all the prayers that are offered, and they may be different, but they'll say at least three things. Father, you're holy. reverence to the father bringing our will into line with his will and God deliver us from temptation Jesus taught his disciples what they should pray but now he's going to teach them how they should pray and he gives a parable it's called the friend at midnight now in this parable there are three characters there are three people in this story there's an uninvited guest There's an unprepared host and there's an unwilling friend. There's an uninvited guest, an unprepared host, and an unwilling friend. The uninvited guest shows up at the home of the unprepared host. Now, in that day, if you did not allow someone into your house, that would have caused dishonor. You didn't travel in hotels, hotels were bad places. And it was so hot in that day that they traveled at night. And and so you welcome someone into your home, but this uninvited guest shows up, and the unprepared host does not have bread. He couldn't run down the store to Food Lion or to Harris Teeter, and so he goes to an unwilling friend and knocks on the door. Now, the unwilling friend had the provision to provide, but he was not willing. He says, go away my children are sleeping you're gonna wake them up but because the unprepared host continues to knock eventually the unwilling friend becomes willing now the tension of this story is that the unprepared host is not prepared with food calling into question his ability as a host but the unwilling friend is not compassionate calling into question his friendliness and and jesus says when we pray pray like that now i don't know about you but i kind of scratch my head and think lord what what are you communicating here are you saying that if we just annoy you long enough and we just keep coming to you then you'll eventually relent like an unruly child would to a parent no that's that's not what God's communicating here this is not a parable of comparison this is a parable of contrast what Jesus is saying is that God is not like the unwilling friend But God always meets our need. The the unwilling friend says, go away. Jesus says, you come close. The the unwilling friend uh, says, sorry, I can't provide for you today. Jesus says, I will provide all of your needs according to the riches and kindness that come through me. The unwilling friend says that my children are with me. Jesus says, you are my children. Jesus says that when you pray, there are two things that you are to do. First of all, that you are to pray with boldness. Pray with boldness. And for some of us, we think, well, God, we know that all that's going on in the world, all the suffering, all the wars, all the challenges in this, in this world, Now, maybe you're just too busy for me the power of God at work in your life will come down to an attitude it'll be either the attitude of indifference or the attitude of deference the attitude of indifference says that God doesn't care so I'm going to stop praying the attitude of deference says God I trust you and your will in my life, but I'm going to keep on praying. Passivity in praying is not Christian praying. The prayers that God answers are the prayers that we continue to give Him in our petitions. The prayers that are answered over times are based on the tenacity of our prayers. He says, pray with boldness. He also says to pray with persistence. It reminds me of the story that there was a, a duck that came into a, a store and he looked at the owner and he said, Do you have any duck food? And the owner said, Get out of my store. And so, so the duck waddles away. And the next day, the, the duck comes back in and says, Do you have any duck food? He said, I told you yesterday, if you come back in one more time, I am going to nail your web feet to the floor. Get out of my store. The next day, the duck came in and says, do you have any nails? The owner said, no. He says, well, then do you have any duck food? <laughs> Persistence in prayer. Silence is not indifference, and stillness is not inactivity. Seasons of waiting are seasons of praying in my journey with Christ I've learned that when when I pray when you pray there are three responses that God can give Sometimes God will say yes And when God says yes, he's saying help yourself Because this is for your good Other times God says no and when God says no oftentimes he's protecting you from something or someone In other times, God says, wait. But it's in those moments of waiting that we grow frustrated. God says, the more that we wait, that the more that we pray. What's going on in your life today where you're frustrated? It seems like you're not getting an answer from God. Maybe it's a wayward child. And you're bearing all the guilt because you think that you were responsible. Can I remind you that perfect environment, Garden of Eden, perfect father, God Himself, and Adam and Eve rebelled. Some of you are holding on to some guilt and shame when Jesus wants to free you, but you never stop praying for your children. Your children can rebel and walk away. You continue to pray. Maybe for some of you it's a terminal cancer or disease. You say, God. You're not answering the prayer the way that I want. And God's saying that you keep praying, persistence in prayer. What wet is to water is what praying is to the Christian. Jesus is not saying to pray and oh, by the way, that when you pray, be persistence. No, Jesus says that prayer is persistence. When we pray, we pray with boldness. We pray with persistence. And then Jesus tells us why we should pray. Jesus says here in verse number nine So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. The Greek verbs here are in the continuous tense. So it's saying that you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. And He gives an interesting question here in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? What Jesus is saying here is that scorpions are harmful. But eggs can be good for you, protein for the eggs. God's only going to give something to you because it's for your good and his glory. So whatever trial that you're going through today, God sees that as something good. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you go through various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full work so that you would be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Romans 8 28 we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes This is why I can't stand the health and wealth and prosperity gospel the name it and claim it the blab it and grab it theology Because you have some televangelist that will say well if you'll just give some money then you will be healed Listen, you may have that terminal disease for the rest of your life, but if God's put that in your life It's to prepare you to be closer to Jesus And that suffering that you're going through, that heartache that you're going through, God can use that so you can be a tool and an instrument to minister to others. If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Again, this is a parable of contrast. It's a less than to greater than argument. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. I believe that today there are likely three people in this crowd, and I want to address each of those today. First of all, to the weary. Are you weary this morning? You keep praying, but it doesn't seem like God is listening to you. And you ask, why do some prayers go unanswered? Why do some prayers go unanswered? I don't know. There's an entire book of the Bible, the book of Job, that speaks to this issue. And Job goes through trial upon trial. But at the very end of his life, that he could look back and he could say, that God, you're good. Do not believe a preacher that has easy solutions to difficult problems... Just so they can piggyback off of the finances of those in their pews. There are some questions that are difficult, and we have to say, God, your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. We can't always see and understand what God is doing. We have a limited vantage point. But as one preacher has said, God is at work in a thousand ways, and sometimes we only see two or three of those. On this side of eternity, you may not understand why your prayers are going unanswered. One of my good friends, Phil Waldrop, told the story years ago. We were out at, at dinner, and he says, I was just at a church in Alabama. I had preached there years ago. And he said, after the revival service, I had an older gentleman that came up to me, and he said, Phil, would you pray that my granddaughter would come to faith in Christ? He said, I would do anything. I would do anything to see her come to Christ. She's living in the world. She's far from God, and they stopped and prayed right then. Years later, Phil was invited back to to preach and Before he preached at the the church, they had staff chapel the day before, and so he was invited to staff chapel, and there was a young lady who was given a testimony, and she says, you know, about two years ago that my grandfather died of terminal cancer, but it was through that that God got a hold of my life, and I started coming back to him. I prayed to receive Christ, and God made me anew. Afterwards, he prayed pulled that young lady aside and said who's your grandfather and she told him and he said I need to tell you this story years ago he had so burdened for you that he said I would do anything anything for my granddaughter to come to faith in Christ and God may have answered his prayer through terminal cancer When God puts things in our lives, we we can't always answer with the simple and the easy. Sometimes, why do prayers go unanswered? I don't know. But we have to trust the sovereign God who has providence over all creation, that He's working all things out for our good and His glory. So to the weary this morning, trust Him even when you don't have answers. How about to those who are troubled today? You say, can I trust God and that He's going to be faithful? You're hurting this this morning. Have you ever considered that there is a prayer that Jesus offered in the Garden of Gethsemane that the Father didn't answer? Jesus says, Father, remove this, what? Cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father and he's making intercession for you right now. So how do I know that God cares for you? He didn't answer Jesus' prayer there in the garden so that he could answer your prayer today. Think of the magnitude of that statement. God the Father didn't answer Jesus' prayer, remove this cup. Now Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But that prayer was not answered so that your prayer could be heard today. Maybe to the skeptic today. You're a skeptic, you were invited by a friend you're not a Christian today, you'd openly acknowledge that, but you came to a men's conference. You may say, Is Jesus' final statement impractical? Look, look at what Jesus says here. Verse 13 If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If God gave himself to you in prayer and gave you nothing more, is that enough? God will not sacrifice the eternal plan that he has in order to acquiesce you for the immediate. God sees the bigger picture. If God gave himself to you, is that enough? Because so often in prayer, I see that many people want the hand of God. But prayer is not about the hand of God. Prayer is about getting a hold of the heart of God. Prayer is our response to God's character. Prayer is not just about transaction that you get something from God. That you use God as a cosmic vending machine. But rather, prayer is about aligning your life to God. And if God gives you Himself through His Holy Spirit, is that enough? I would answer that God is enough. His Holy Spirit at work in your life. If God gave you nothing else but His Spirit at work in your life, that is enough to overcome the challenges that you will face in this life. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. Does God really care? Silence is not indifference and stillness is not inactivity. Seasons of waiting are seasons of praying. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you might minister by your word and through your spirit. Lord, to that person who's hurting today, Lord, it seems that you've been silent. Their prayers have grown cold. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts to continue to cry out to you, to to continue to call out to you. That We wouldn't be silent and indifferent, but Lord, we would keep asking, we would keep seeking, and we would keep knocking because you are a faithful God and you are enough. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.